Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The league celebrates the dynamic journey of the Negro League baseball's triumphs and challenges in the first half of the 20th century. The story told through previously unearthed archival footage and never-before-seen interviews with legendary players like Satchel Paige and Buck O'Neill, whose early careers paved the way for Jackie Robinson and so many others, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, many, many, many more. The film is called The League. And we're joined today by one of our favorite filmmakers ever. That that would be Sam Pollard. Sam, welcome back to Film School Radio. Hey, Mike. How you been? Thank you so much for this. Uh, I have seen in some version of a histories of the Negro Leagues going a long ways back. This is by far and away the most thorough and the most thoughtful in digging into the history of the of this league. What brought you to this project? Uh, I was brought into this project by a gentleman named Byron Motley, whose father, Bob Motley, had been a Negro League umpire in the 40s and in the 50s. And uh, they wrote a book together about his dad's adventures as a Negro League umpire and umpiring in games with people like Cool Papa Bell and Satchel Paige and Monty Irvin and others. And uh, he had a long interview with his dad, but he had also shot some former Negro League players. And uh, those elements sort of, you know, titillated me. And I said, wow, I had not sort of been into baseball for quite a while, but it sort of reignited my my love and passion for baseball that started when I was a young man in the early 60s. I I love the uh, the entry point. You just mentioned um, Bob, Bob Motley. Um, and it, it is a window into that era but what I didn't know, and so glad you were able to bring to my attention, is the two different iterations of the Negro Leagues. In fact, prior to that, the 1890s, a whole other era of baseball to which I was completely unfamiliar with in the sense that it was a league in which Black players were playing, or some version of it. You'll do a better job of explaining it than I just did. But Well, you know, the, the thing that you learn, you know, when you do these things, I thought there was only one Negro National League myself before I got to this film, that I realized there was Rube Foster's iteration. And then after that, they became the iteration that was developed by people like Composey and Gus Greenlee. You know, you learned that before even Rube Foster, there were Negro League ball players playing in the major leagues, that Jackie Robinson wasn't really the first Black player to enter the major leagues. It was Moses Fleetwood Walker. So all of these things you learned and you said, wow, these are other elements of this history that has gone undiscovered. And it was an opportunity, and you said this early in, in your introduction, that there have been other, you know, if you go on the, inter, on, the, on the internet, there's bunches of different docs about the Negro Leagues. But we were trying to make sure, we tried to be as comprehensive, as detailed, as nuanced as possible in telling the story. And so we brought out aspects of the story that I had never seen in any film, specifically talking about Effa Manley, first Black woman to own a major league team, the Newark Eagles, her relationship with Branch Rickey after Jackie Robson became a member of the Brooklyn Dodgers. You know, we dug into sort of the relationship between uh, Composey and Gus Greenleaf in Pittsburgh with come owning the Homestead Grays and Gus with the Pittsburgh Crawfords. 
I mean, these are things that you didn't really think about. I didn't know until we did our research that Paul Robeson had been a voice in trying to make the integrate the major leagues. These are things that I felt like, wow, yeah. Robeson did that. You know, those are things that you find when you really do that deep dive into wanting to make a documentary that's going to stand out and be special and unique. And unique, it is. And also going back in history to see the importance of the Negro League, Black baseball in the community, especially in its first iteration, where it was an event. It was it was something that the uh, much of the community would turn out for. Well, we knew really from the beginning, as we were thinking about how to shape the story, that you couldn't just do a documentary about the Negro Baseball League and these teams without connecting it to how important these teams were to the communities they they blossomed in. You know, be it you know in Pittsburgh, be it in New York, be it in Birmingham with the Birmingham Black Barons. You wanted to make sure that people understood that for a lot of these communities. The Negro League teams was another form of the economic engine that made those communities survive and, and thrive. So it was important that we understood that, that, you know, Black communities, that even though they were segregated, they were basically communities that had to survive on their own from both an economic perspective and a cultural perspective. And one of the aspects was to have teams, Negro League teams in those communities where people could go and enjoy a Saturday afternoon game or a Sunday afternoon game, and then money could exchange hands and it could support the team and the support in the community and the team could support the community. So it was one hand washes the other. Very interesting stories about exactly the, the economy of baseball. Also the influence of the black press, which is something, again, there was the Chicago defender. Defender, Pittsburgh had a, had a newspaper, and they were instrumental in promoting the game, but also promoting a lot more. Well, you know, those were, those were the forms of social media back then. To yeah. be able to have a newspaper, a Black-owned newspaper, newspapers to communities in the South, where Black people could learn about what was happening in Black communities in the North and in the Midwest. And it, it helped sort of fuel that great migration that we yeah. all know about from the, in the 20th century. You mentioned Effa Manley, you mentioned Rube Foster and uh, and how important they were um, in terms of pulling this pulling the league together. Let's talk about the first iteration of the league. And I see it the first. It, is that a fair way to put it? Am I saying that? It's the first iteration. Yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah. Okay. The one that, the one that Rube Foster started in 1920. 1920. Yeah, 1920. Just yeah. in terms of just, you know, just the idea of, well, and it was in reaction to um, the segregationists who were right. I mean, I, I point this out quite often. The 1920s, the largest political force in the country, and it demonstrated, they demonstrated it in Washington, D.C., was the Ku Klux Klan in the early 1920s. Well, the, at, to that point, I think the largest demonstration in the history of the country occurred when they showed up on Pennsylvania Avenue in the 1920s. Well, the thing to remember here is America's in the in the throes of, of Jim Crow and segregation. Right. And Black people were told this, you know, they were second-class citizens. They were, you know, put to the back of the bus. They couldn't go into restaurants. They were signs that said for, for whites only. And so we had our own communities. We had to thrive, you know, to, to survive in our own communities. We had to 
have our own stores. We had to have our own doctor's offices. We had to have our own forms of entertainment, which led to people like Ruth Foster saying, you know, if we want to be able to herald a new difference, a beginning, we need to create our own baseball teams, which he did, yeah. you know, and that was the first iteration of the Negro National League. You know, now it didn't survive after after Ruth Foster's death, but then it came back again in the 30s in the second iteration under Composey and Gus Greenlee. It's more than this film, uh, by the way, is much more, the league is much more than just a kind of a historical resuscitation of the things that happened in the formation and all. It's about the players as well. Such a joy to see the greatness as little as a, a video that we have of these players, the stories that are told about them is the heart to me. It's it's what it is. It's about baseball. It's about the joy of baseball. It's the game. It's the greatest game. Yeah, um, when you see when you see that wonderful footage of, of Satchel Page, or you see some footage of uh, young Josh Gibson, that's real special, man. Very special. It's an opportunity for people to learn about these legends, you know, on these legends who are on par with the Babe Ruths and the Lou Gehrig's, you know, and the Ted Williamses of the game and the Bob Fellers. Yes, and they, we get into that and how, well, Satchel Page. What can you say? Um, what it was his career? His career lasted from, I just had this in front of me, 1927 to 1947. So he he bridged the two different versions of the Negro League. And I know, I remember when he pitched in, ma- in a Major League Baseball game. Uh, I remember him too. You know, he was around for a long time. I mean, Satchel Page, probably one of the oldest players to ever pick up a minute and play the game. <laughs> But I mean, in terms of talent, we, we you speak of it in the film, just a, a remarkable. Um, well, we tell that story. We tell that story in the film, which I'm not sure how apocryphal it is. When he called in all the players <laughs> in the outfield, had him sit behind him as he struck out the batting order. That's one of those legendary stories about Satchel Page. Nine nine pitches. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. And there are other players who, for people who are, are not as familiar with the league, you have Buck O'Neill. You got Buck O'Neill, you got Buck Leonard, you yeah. got Max Manning, you know, you got Josh you Gibson, got Josh Gibson, you got Monty Irvin, you got Larry Doby, many players. And then two great major league baseball players came out of Negro Leagues besides Jackie Robinson. That's Willie Mays and Henry Aaron. Also, if you think about it, Ernie Banks came out of Negro Leagues. Was Frank Robinson? Was no, he? He, he was there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, these guys yeah. led to people like, you know, Frank Robinson and Roberto Clemente and all those other, you know, and Kurt Flood and Lou Brock. These people, you know, yeah. were players who the mantle was ha- passed on to them. Yeah. What I found interesting, and as I recall from my own memory, is that it's kind of it's a bit fitting. That Pittsburgh was the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates were the team for the first team I think in the history of baseball to have an entire lineup on the field of African American players. First team, exactly right. That's right. They were. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's great. But and but its connection to the league as it just I think it's a, a fitting. It's, it is. It's yeah. a great thing to happen. And you know it's you know it's you know it's pretty fascinating that here we are in 2023 and there are few few African American players in the major leagues anymore. Yeah, and that has a lot to do with the tempo of the game and the fact that 
baseball is not considered the number one American sports pastime anymore. I want to let people know that the league is opening on July 14th. It's being released through Magnolia Pictures. Be looking for this. And I just cannot recommend it strongly enough. There, There's so much here. And again, so much you'll learn about the league, the players. One of the things that um, I, I, what was the the the, the Frederick Douglass quote? You mentioned it. Oh, uh, we are the ship. We are, and all else, the sea. In terms of the things that you assumed about the league going into this project, that may have changed as as you did the research and as you brought together your team. What was the thing that? Well, the, the biggest thing, you know, Mike, was what you said. I always thought there was one iteration. Yeah. Of the Negro National League, Negro Leagues. And then was all of a sudden I learned there was more than one and that there were, you know, there was a colored baseball league. There was a Negro, you know, there was different iterations of the league throughout the country in the, in the North and in the Midwest and the South. Yeah. And, and then the other thing I learned too, quite honestly, was how important Ruth Foster was to the development of the Negro National League. That I didn't know. And that was a real revelation for me. I always knew about Satchel and Josh Gibson, Cool Papa Bell, but I never knew about the depths and the links that that Ruth Foster went to to create the league. I didn't know how important and impactful Matthew Manley was, quite honestly. Yeah. So those are great things to, to for me that I learned. I'm going to leave it for the viewer to to uh, know the whole story. But what surprised me and in some many ways disappointed me was the story about Branch Rickey and Jackie Robinson and its impact on the league. I, w- I was, to say disappointed is an understatement, but that is, uh, so I'll leave it for people. Who well, see I, you know, here's my reaction to that. Not to buy the contract? I mean, really? I mean, would it have Well, been? I was disappointed that he didn't follow through and want to pay. Yeah. The, major, the Negro League owners. Oh, yeah, that may have sounded weird the way I said oh, okay, it. Okay. I, I, I didn't. I'm sorry. That that came out. If that's the way it sounded, I'm so sorry. That's not what I meant. <laughs> okay. I, I was talking about the the economic ramifications. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm. So, <laughs> that's a completely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that 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 that's very disappointing for me to hear that. <laughs> you think about it from his perspective, you know, Mike, he's being a good businessman. An ethical businessman would have been better. How's that? Uh, ethical businessman would have been better. Absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it's again, it's rich in history. It's fun. It the, the stories are great. The legends are are even better. And uh, my congratulations once again to you for thank your you. work, Saint Pollard. Uh, thank you. Uh, anytime, come back, and uh, I look forward to more. Thank you. I will. Thank you. Have a good day. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.